It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode. I'm here with Dr. Brandon Vaughn and our special guest today, Dr. Pat Casey. What's going on, fellas? Not much, man. You uh, you were out of town, right? Was up in the great state of New Hampshire. Um, I had never been to New or had rarely been to New Hampshire before I met my wife. And I feel like I go every year now, but this time happened to be um, for a course. So we talk about a body tempering course up in Dover. Good turnout, right? Most PTs you've ever had in a course? It was. Other than when we did it here, obviously, it's kind of cheating. When we did it, we hosted a course, made all of our staff there. Um, we had five or six PTs in the, in the crowd, which was great. Also, got to give a shout out to some of them who listened to podcasts. So, uh, Chad and Nick and uh, Annika uh, from uh, Proform PT in, uh, up in Massachusetts. So, I know where I'm sending people in Massachusetts. So, uh, it was great to, to hear, hear that people are listening out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the audience was pretty receptive, too. So, they must have not been British. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man. It was, it was great, man. Honestly, I love when we get PTs in there, people who have um you know great questions or or want to know a little bit more about what we think is actually going on and and it, it was a great a great conversation throughout the weekend it, it's so much fun to do these and meet new people but uh yeah i actually really loved new hampshire too this time of year but i know it's about to get cold so i'm glad to be back in the south there you go so pat how have you been oh man i've been good so appreciate being back on the podcast it's uh it's been a minute, but I'm glad to be one of the repeat uh, podcasters here. I think things have changed a little bit. So y'all got a legit mic this time around. We're not just <laughs> Skyping and using our headphones. So yeah, uh, oh yeah. But uh, no, things are pretty good. Appreciate being on here. Yeah, I think Pat was. I believe it was episode seven, if I remember correctly. And yes, we were using iPhone mics and Skype and a call recorder is what we were using. <laughs> it was just it didn't. What'd you say? We've upgraded slightly um, in our quality. But yeah, man, we're not only you know so happy to have you on the podcast, but we're happy to have you part of the team, man. Absolutely. So, Pat, we uh, we wanted to kind of take advantage of you being here with your military background and pick your brain a little bit about a couple things. And I know that the the physical fitness tests that Army have been using, there's a bit of an update on those since we talked last, right? You mind shed some light on that? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, first I have to do a uh, unofficial official disclaimer that my word is not the word of the Army. And so this is just my opinion. Um, <laughs> but just throwing that out there, so Uncle Sam doesn't get mad at me if I say something he doesn't agree with. But yeah, so it's actually a good timing to do this podcast, uh, or at least talk about this subject, because uh, starting October 1st, which is the new fiscal year for the government, this is where the new Army fitness test called the Army Combat uh, Army Combat Readiness Test, fitness test, comes into play. 
uh, where every unit in the army is supposedly have to do the new fitness test two times for diagnostic purposes over the next 12 months. So the old fitness test, which is the two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, and a two-mile run, is still in effect for record purposes for the next year. Uh, and then in, by October 2020 is when the new fitness test with the six events is supposed to be uh, coming into full force and be like the official test of the Army. So remind us what the six events are again. Yeah, so the six events are now going to be a three rep max deadlift with a trap bar. That's event number one. Event number two is a backwards ball toss with a 10-pound ball. Event three, as is, I believe, is the hand-release push-ups. Uh, number four is a sprint drag carry. Basically, it's uh, five times down and back on 50 meters, carrying and pulling and uh, running, doing different types of uh, uh, movements there. And then there's the uh, knee tuck, which is like the, um, like the knee to elbow exercise. And then the last one is a good old classic two-mile run still there. So. There you go. So for all you PTs listening and looking to outfit your clinics so you can appropriately treat soldiers, you're going to need what, a trap bar, 10-pound med ball, probably heavier than that too, right? Mm -hmm. uh, something with a pull-up bar. So I hope everybody has a squat rack from about now. It's 2019, right? <laughs> and what else? Uh, a sled, right? Shout, sled, out, shout out the spud, right? Kettlebells to carry too. Yeah, yeah shout out the spud, Inc. Who's, uh, who's out in the military with those, right? Yeah, Columbia, so South Carolina. The, the sled has going to be 90 pounds. And then as part of that uh, sprint drag carry is also a kettlebell carry with the 40 pound kettlebells in each hand. Right. And that's the same for, um, for men and women. Is that yep. correct? That's yep. correct. So a big difference between this PT test and the last PT test, well, the current PT test is the, there is no different uh, male gender. Um, everybody's going to have to shoot for the same standard. So okay. the soldiers, they're pretty receptive to that. They like this idea. Uh, I, I'm getting some mixed feedback on it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think there are uh, some folks that are just set in their old ways and they like the traditional PT test. Uh, me personally, I think that the current PT test is something that you can really train for specifically without having the best overall realm of fitness. Uh, while a new PT test, I think kind of challenge you a little bit more. Uh, but honestly, we're getting a lot of bit of, a little bit of feedback or kickback on the fact that this new PT test requires a lot more equipment. You know, we're yeah. talking about outfitting your physical therapy clinic so that you can treat soldiers. A uh, big issue is that a lot of these units may not have a lot of this equipment available to themselves readily, and so they may not be able to specifically train for this, which can be good or bad. I think it's bad because they can't train for the event, but it's, it's good because they got to find other ways to work that whole overall general fitness level, too. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and, and looking at these events, they do seem to be a little more well-rounded, a little bit more balanced. You have more of a maximal strength event, you have more of like a, uh, a speed strength event where you're trying to, you know, throw a, a, you know, that light implement, but trying to be more explosive with it. There's some body weight stuff in there, some really more relevant work for what you, I guess you would have to do in the demands of, of, of this profession and this occupation of carrying things and dragging things along that. And then, uh, you know, of course, still having uh, some measure of aerobic capacity with that two mile run in there. It seems to me to be a, a pretty balanced uh, battery of tests there. What are your thoughts there, Pat? Oh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, the current PT test seems like it's just muscle endurance for push-ups and sit-ups for two minutes. And and honestly, for most people doing the test, it's basically a suck fest for the first minute. See how many reps you can get in and then see if you can get some other reps in for that second and last minute. And then the two-mile run, well, it's the, yeah, it's a good test of overall, overall aerobic capacity, I think. But it is also uh, just one aspect of fitness that, you know, is measured when there's plenty more to, to, to be done. So, yeah, I agree that the new fitness test uh, everything from a few uh, a second or two uh, to, to knock out an event to you know a two mile run that takes you know 
12, 13, 14 plus minutes depending on the person. So right, yeah. Now the the, the deadlift. Um, you know, I know you mentioned that it's kind of like a, a three rep max, or you're maybe building across there. Um, what are kind of the standards that people need to hit for that? Or is it like their body weight, or is it, are there set metrics that people are going to need to hit to pass, and then also to max it out? Yeah, great question. It's it's set weight. So right now it looks like the minimum weight is going to be 140. And that's to get the, the passing score. So three reps at 140. And then the, the max weight is going to be, I believe, 330 is what I last read. Okay. So do you, um, would you have to hit multiple things in between, like a ladder? Or do you keep like, all right, I can do this. You hit a little warm. You walk up, you hit 330, you're done with that test. Great question. I don't know what yeah. the, uh, the official instruction is on that one. Uh, the instruction that I've read and the videos that I've, I've, I've watched say that you know, the, the person gets to pick what weight they want to choose. And the only thing I've heard about is if they're unable to meet the three reps with the weight that they choose to use, then they can, are allowed to go down to a lower weight for another okay. attempt. Okay. Well, there you go. That might be reason enough to start doing those cold maxes. <laughs> cold <laughs> maxes. Shout out. All right, Zach. Calling you out, Zach. <laughs> no, uh, no, but I love it too. And, and you know, this is interesting. Um, the funny thing is, you know, I, I love tying, you know, tying things together. And I look back and you know, everybody knows I have a pretty big OPEX background and there's uh, something called the Altathlon that they did for a long period of time. Um, I think they did like seven or eight years of it or something like that, um, where it was six tests that James and, and the crew at OPEX had then called OPT, as well as called the Altathlon, um, put together to test, you know, kind of what they thought you know, fitness was, right? And it had a maximal strength event. Um, usually it was a clean and jerk or something like that. Again, these are more functional fitness athletes there. But again, you have like a deadlift. It actually had a reverse shot toss, but it did have a male and a female component there. Um, so slightly different there. Um, they had a, a three, uh, three K run as part of it. So again, similar to the two mile run. Um, and there's a couple, there's more of like a mixed modal CrossFit type test in there, but again, similar to the idea of a sprint drag carry, but more towards functional fitness versus towards what they're going to have to do for the military. Um, but kind of some similarities there. Uh, and then, um, here there's a little bit more of like a body weight component there being the, the, um, the handle these pushups and the knee tucks versus I think the Optathlon had, um, like row repeats, but a very similar kind of idea of like you're looking across the spectrum. It seems like the army and some of the great minds in fitness are kind of all converging on like, Hey, we need to test these areas if we're trying to be a little bit more complete. Yeah. I think that's been something that's been in the works forever, right? For decades, but it's good to finally see it changing for the better. It would seem. Yeah, definitely. I remember back in 2011, 2012, they were uh, proposing a new uh, new fitness test at that time. And that one required carrying some ammo cans and doing some like balance beam type walking. And they were actually doing some testing where I was when I was stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia. And that kind of fizzled out. Never really heard much more out of that. So it's been, you know, quiet for about five or six years after that until they announced a new uh, release of this fitness test. And it was also Essentially, in conjunction with another fitness test, they were trying to implement it called the soul readiness test as well, which was uh, basically more environmental combat type of uh, situation where wearing body armor and doing tire flips and sprints and all that kind of stuff, too. So I think that one looks like I got potentially got axed, though. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it progresses. Do you think you will... Uh, Put yourself through a simulation of it now that you're you're not in the military right now but uh, just to see if you can max it out <laughs> ah man uh you're, you're mistaken i am in the military still oh, I keep, oh, oh yeah, yeah. okay yeah i'm not active duty i'm sorry but, i apologize hey, even, <laughs> even reservists and national guards yeah. so people that don't know I, I transitioned off active duty about two months ago after 12 years of active duty service uh, and then decided to transition into the reserve. So I'm still in the reserves. And so reserve is still has to take PT tests. And so nice. it's still applicable to 
to us. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna definitely push myself through it. I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, a lot of the events, I mean, I'm familiar with all the events, but the one that I haven't done um, to the T by the, by the standard is the sled drag carry one. Uh, and that, that seems like that could be a, a little bit of a gut check. Uh, that's mm-hmm. to me, it's like the equivalent of trying to like row 500 meters as fast as you can. And then having that, uh, that nasty cough at the end, cause you've been pushing yourself too hard. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, uh, actually the interns don't know it yet, but that's, that's the final exam. For <laughs> us. And that was, uh, that was your boy, Jake. Jacob Wesley, shout out to him. One yeah. of our clients. That was his idea. So we're all going to do it together here in about three or four weeks. Too, oh, so. man. You got to make it at least four weeks. I got four weeks left to clinical. I need, I, yeah, I want to come join. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah so at least, at least four weeks. I, I need to experience it too. I mean, you, yeah. you know how it goes, right? You get in of one, you got to have, you got to oh, yeah. practice what you preach. You got to get some perspective with the people that you're seeing. Uh, so you can at least get some street cred with them, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but Pat, man, you, you, you touched on this a little bit. You, you transitioned out of active duty. So you've been with us now, what, five weeks? Uh, two months oh, on the June's so, two months. Yeah. Well, you had you had uh, a little line, life right? of it in there, yeah. Brandon. <laughs> throwing off your timeline yeah. a little bit. I know your sleep probably yeah. ain't all the same. So. Um, you know, from my my perspective, man, it's been great having you. Learned a ton working with you. I'm enjoying having another uh, male in here. Not nothing wrong with the females, but you know, it's a lot of estrogen. It's a good testosterone ratio there, right? <laughs> so, um, but it's been good, man. How you, how's the transition been for you? Oh man, I appreciate it. No, it's been a it's been good. And so we decided to get off of active duty just because, well, honestly, happy wife, happy life. Uh, my wife and my kids weren't transitioning very well uh, when we moved around all the times that we have. And so it was nice to kind of settle down in a spot, get into a clinic that is that just values excellence and trying to keep pushing themselves forward and be around a lot of like-minded individuals. So yeah, it's been great so far, Brandon. I mean, it's uh, I really do appreciate you guys bringing me on board and, and uh, let me kind of learn the ways and, and hopefully we continue to grow together. But it's definitely been eye opening though. Yeah. I'm still mm-hmm. looking for the complaint department. So <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So like we were talking about this before the episode though, but um just in terms of the caseload, right? That's that's been a big change, right? Because I know that we we get some PT students that listen to this and they a lot of them are probably considering going to the military and going active duty like what you did. And just the contrast, I think, is from what you described is, is very, very different. Um, would you mind elaborating that a little bit? Yeah, certainly. So, yeah, patient population is definitely different. So, the past 10 years since I've gotten my license, it's been, you know, mainly individuals from the ages of 18 to 50 that are active duty in the military, all orthopedic issues. So, uh, don't see neuro patients, don't see geriatrics, pediatrics. Um, so, those are things that we weren't commonly seeing by any means. And so, uh, it's great that I became a quote-unquote expert in these orthopedic injuries, but coming to a place like Vertex, it's been a challenge in a way because I'm seeing more patients that I'm not used to, to working with, but at the same time, it's been great and just kind of getting me back into being a more of a well-rounded physical therapist. So I remember the first week here, I, you, you guys threw a, a six-year-old boy with an ankle sprain on my schedule, and then I think that same day I saw a 90-year-old lady treating her, and so it's been a, a good wide range of stuff. I was working with concussion. Uh, yeah, concussions are big in the military, but they had their own special clinic, so we didn't see them in physical therapy. Um, in terms of how many patients we're seeing, like what I love about the Vertex model is that it's patients one-on-one for an hour, so we actually get to eval and treat and reassess the patients and push them along the way. It's only you know, full days and eight, eight patient day, which is amazing, versus in the military, you're typically, as a physical therapist, you're doing the initial evaluations and the reevaluation, you're looking at somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes, uh, an appointment, you come up with a game plan, you shoot the patients over to the techs for three to four weeks potentially, and then hopefully uh, they're doing the game plan as you prescribe, and then you come back and reassess. So 
that's not a whole lot of the treatment uh, aspect of it, but um, you know, you get, to, you get your evaluation skills honed down and you're looking at somewhere between like 12 to 15 a day, uh, unless you're working in a clinic where it's like trainees and you got to knock out, you know, 15 to 20 a day, depending on what the injury is there. So cool. that, that's one of the things like I, I talked to my student Corey about too, is just the, the spectrum of people that we see. Cause like, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, you're, you're seeing um, an, a geriatric lady who's just trying to do a sit and stand, get her from a chair independently. And then by the time five o'clock rolls around, you got a crossfitter doing snatches in the back of the gym and that kind of thing too. So it's kind of cool to be ready for anything. Um, but, you know, with that said, with it being just outside of what you've done for the past several years, what have been some ways that you've maybe gotten caught up or, you know, some resources that you've had to utilize to be able to just kind of, I don't know, diversify your portfolio in a way? Yeah. So one is just picking the brands up here. So working with uh, you and Amy here in the Casey Clinic has, has been great and just kind of getting your experience uh, with that potential. Uh, we had a, a TMJ patient, uh, a TMJ uh, jaw disorder patient coming in that I wasn't uh, all that used to. And we went over some dry kneeling techniques and some other therapy approaches, manual therapy for that. Uh, for uh, Also for that, I had busted out the old APTA's current concepts that I had and mm -hmm. just kind of start reviewing some of the anatomy and treatment approaches and the evidence for certain treatments. And so I carry that around my backpack everywhere I go now so I can bust that open and read, do a little bit of light reading there. Uh, honestly, the uh, ice physio, uh, uh, virtual ice stuff that we you guys mentioned that several times on this podcast has been great, especially when it comes to working with geriatrics. And yeah. so they do a lot of that geriatric Wednesday. And so I've learned a lot through there. So shout out to Jeff Moore and a, and a group there for the great content that they, they push out daily on their podcast. And so it's a lot of it just doing a little bit of reading, uh, you know, social media has got a lot of great stuff that you can kind of put around and look at. You just got to be careful what you're reading and try to analyze and critique it. But um, it's just been, it's been, like I said, challenging, but it's also been, amazing to just kind of brush off some of the skills and a lot of this kind of is coming back so yeah. oh, oh. well you look very comfortable doing this stuff I wouldn't say this I was going to say outside of your comfort zone but um you, you look very confident and your patients are all getting better so like a duck uh, on like water. A, yeah it's smooth <laughs> smooth transition for sure um another thing I wanted to again take advantage of you being here with your background right so those you don't know in the military PTs can order imaging and prescribe certain types of medications, some rights that we don't have uh, in the civilian world. So like Wisconsin, I think, can order imaging. Yeah. I think that's the only state. Maybe uh, Colorado, I can't remember, uh, but yeah. yeah. So wanted to just talk a little bit about um, a presentation that I know you saw a lot of uh, when you were at Fort Jackson with all the recruits, and that was femoral neck stress fractures, right? So I, I imagine you probably know that like the back of your hand. Unfortunately. <laughs> Would you mind just talking a little bit about some of the patterns, like some of the, the commonalities that you saw from person to person, things that we should look out for, you know, in case we get somebody that might fit that mold, and then maybe we can talk about the way that you managed it when it came in and how you kind of differentiated it from other potential diagnoses. Yeah. So it starts with the subjective. And I think a lot of, a lot of us know that uh, great mm -hmm. Increases in activity can definitely increase your risk for injury. And so, unfortunately, um, you know, military is having a hard time finding recruits that are healthy enough. And a lot of times, the recruits that we do get are oftentimes they just meet high weight standards, and but they've been sitting on the couch for the past 10, 12, 18 years of their life. And so, they go from I always joked, it's kind of like the couch to 5K program that you always hear about. I, I call it the, the couch to army program. And so, uh, these, these individuals either they're 
17, 18 year old kids straight out of high school, or they are uh, folks that have been in like a, an office environment or uh, doing some other kind of uh, light work for the past 15 years since they got out of high school and they decided it's time for a life change or they need the health insurance or the case might be. And so they joined the army at, you know, 32, 33 years old without much physical activity on their belt. So they come in, uh, not used to running, jumping, rocking, marching. And so that was a big factor that we saw. And, and especially at Fort Jackson, uh, unfortunately, you know, Fort Jackson is, is not the home of the basic trainees that are quote unquote hua hua because there's four basic trainee posts. And let's say like the infantry ones that can go kick down doors and be uh, those, those type of guys, they typically go to like say Fort Benning while the ones that come to Fort Jackson are a little bit more of a kind of called the softer, softer jobs like human resources and logistics and supply. And so uh, a lot of uh, like cyber folks as well come through Fort Jackson because they ship off to their specialized training. And so these folks may not be like the high school track stars and the, and the ones that fell out of trees growing up. And so, uh, so subjective history is a big one. So we ask them, what were they doing before they joined the army? They say they weren't playing sports and running and jumping. That gives it, gives it away pretty quickly. And then the mechanism is typically just a gradual insidious onset. It's, uh, I did not, you know, fall down a rappel tower. I was not uh, doing combatives and I felt a tweak or a pull. It's one of those, yeah, it just started to hurt. And then every time my drill sergeants made me march from one place to another, it just kind of got worse and worse and worse. And the next thing I started limping and the pain just started to increase. So definitely the subjective portion there and then the patient history. And then objectively uh, with, with hips, it's, it's all about the how they're walking. Mm -hmm. um, they definitely have a lot of this like trendelaberg gait where they're kind of swinging that hip around. They're not able to distribute their weight equally from leg to leg and maintain a proper stance. Um, they got a lot of pain. It's just kind of forces them. And they typically feel like it's like deep in the hip. Uh, most often, I, I feel like it's, it presents as, a, as an anterior hip pain or anterior lateral hip pain. Uh, I, there was a couple times it felt like, you know, basically it was more on the backside, but uh, it's definitely, you know, Going along with differentials, like Josh said, um, it was uh, like hip flexor strain, that type of things. But you kind of rule it out with the, the, the mechanism and the subjective history there. And then, of course, uh, most basic trainings are probably glowing in the dark because we got so much access to radiology. We got to rule these things out pretty quick. So then you just go straight to the radiology part. Yeah. And, and what do you order? Typically for that. Uh, you typically start with an x-ray. So it's uh, the troop medical clinic, uh, the local clinic just for the basic trains has their own x-ray department there. So real quick, get the x-rays done. Um, we don't have to wait on a radiology report from the radiologist in order to make our, our assessments. We can actually pull up the, the images and look at them ourselves. Now, unfortunately, the x-rays are oftentimes negative, especially if the symptoms have been two weeks or less. It takes a long time um, to kind of see any kind of evidence of a stress injury. And so when we talk about stress injury, we're talking about either it's like a stress reaction, which is basically a pissed off bone uh, that starts to get a little bit mad at you. It gets so a little bit soft around the edges uh, on the inside and out. And then that can turn into a stress fracture. That's where you get the crack in the bone. But even stress fractures don't show up on an x-ray right away. So what we're looking for is if it's significant enough, you can see a crack in the bone or a little bit of displacement, uh, but you're looking for more of like a potential callus formation or a little haziness around the edge. Mm -hmm. But that oftentimes doesn't show up for the first couple of weeks. So if you get an x-ray, you know, it'd be negative. What we do oftentimes is if we're suspecting like this looks like, feels like, smells like a femoral neck stress fracture, we go straight to an MRI. Um, but if, if it's something that we think that 
you know, we could potentially wait on and see how it feels and maybe it's more of a hip flexion or we're just getting x-ray to rule out something real significant, then we can potentially give them light duty for a couple of days up to a week follow up. And then if the hip pain presents and it's still there after follow up, then we can go down and get the additional imaging. But uh, MRI is a second round. MRI is definitely going to pick up any kind of internal bone marrow edema, which is where you typically see first. Uh, you see that most often that we saw was stress reactions like grades, two, grade three, a grade four would be a fracture. So grade two, grade three is a high level of stress in the bone marrow edema there. And, and we're able to kind of shut down the patient there and prevent the stress fracture from happening potentially. But uh, yeah, if it's a stress fracture, it'll definitely show up on the MRI as well. Yeah. yeah. So it, all, it almost sounds like instead of a, a couch to basic, you need like a basic to basic yeah. program yeah. to get these, these recruits ready to train yeah. um, in a way. So when someone does have that, confirmation of that femoral neck stress femoral neck stress fracture um are, are they are they done i mean are you going to actually like treat them and see it through or are they going to get discharged for this? Uh, so it kind of depends and a lot of it depends on patient or the, the trainee motivation yeah. and so if the trainee let's say they are week six or week seven and basic training is 10 weeks long and they got a more neck stress fracture and we found it but they are motivated this is what they want to do their whole life mm -hmm. then with that individual we will as long as it's not fractured more than 50% across the femoral neck, if it's less than 50%, we'll send them home for 30 days on, on just paid convalescence leave. They go mm -hmm. home, kind of hang out with their family. Uh, it's like basically free time off of them. They come back. And then we had a separate little physical therapy platoon that we had in a different unit that we just uh, do rehab. And we actually did a lot of blood flow restriction on these folks. Uh, that kind of showed a little bit of an improvement in the, the bone healing rate. And 10, 12, 14 weeks goes by, then we get them back to running and jumping and you get them back in the race for basic and they can typically pick up where they left off. So they yeah. go back and they can finish up basic training and, and ship off their specialized training. Uh, if they, unfortunately, we definitely see stress fractures that are <laughs> week two of basic training. And what we will oftentimes also get like a bone mineral density exam as well with these folks. And if they show they got a little bit of uh, softer bones, then even if they want to be in the army, we have to make that that choice to say we don't think this is the, the life for you. And so they get a basically a, a general discharge. It's not dishonorable. Mm -hmm. uh, we recommend it, and their units process it. And, but they can always come back in the military. And so we gotcha. we, do, we try to teach them ways to how they can bone up, build strength, and what they can do from there. Um, and if it's not a surgical issue, then they're they're free to discharge and go home, and then uh, they can get some coverage through like the VA at home yeah. um, if they need be. But yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I've been I've been saying for a while now. If we ever get the rights to order imaging, I'm gonna have to do like some, some a lot of big yeah. crash course, a lot of review right. on that kind of stuff because I'm so rusty on it. Like I hadn't really dove into it much since like the first or second year of PT school. Yeah, I would say the only reason I feel somewhat comfortable is because boards are in a month. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, going through and, and going through the score builders textbook and having to, to read about it, all yeah. you know, all the imaging options uh, out there, diagnostic options yeah. out there. Uh, but no, I think that's that's awesome to kind of hear a little bit of a differential there too. So if somebody comes to you in clinic and in general outpatient clinic, it still just like a lot of things comes down to are you asking the right questions? Are you are you determining is something new here? Is there's huge increase in that acute workflow compared to what they've been doing, and that should start to trigger your in your hypothesis list possibly something you know a stress fracture or stress reaction. So uh, it sounds like it's not too too different from how we should approach pretty much every case there. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, it's funny, <laughs> funny how that works. <laughs> I'll say, man, in, in, I don't think there's anything that'll build trust more the patient than an appropriate referring out, referring them out whenever mm -hmm. they need to, um, whenever it's warranted. And, you know, in some cases, you know, 
it wasn't needed in the first place, but at least you took the time to, you know, do your due diligence and be on the safe side as well, too. Definitely. Yeah, man. Well, Pat, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, giving us an insight into these, the, this new, you know, combat readiness, um, you know, test that people are going to have to go, uh, you know, go through and, and diving into that. I think it's intriguing. And I'm excited to see kind of the results of it um, and see how it goes. Um, you know, being that I love, I love assessing fitness. I'm excited to see is, is like, this is a great test. Yeah. Um, Cause who knows, maybe it needs to be adapted further, but uh, it does seem like it's going in the right direction. And of course we love, uh, love having you around the clinic, man. I appreciate it. Pat, if there's anybody that's listening to this, wants to reach out, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, you can find me on the IG Instagram. It's at Dr. Pat Casey. Uh, you can also send me an email. It's pat.casey at vertexpt.com. My new official work email. Oh, Dr. Pat Casey, everybody. Have a great week. And one last thing, if you like the episode, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a five-star review. That way we can reach more people. And if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram at BetterFasterPodcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at VertexPT and at VertexStrength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.